And we are back with a fresh episode of the pod. H10 Hanshin Tigers English news just for you, fellow Hanshin Tigers fan. If you are even slightly like me, you are missing baseball right now. You're missing NPB. You're missing your Hanshin Tigers. And so we're trying to fill the gap just a little bit here. I'm T-Ray. I'm the host of the podcast. This is episode 189, and it is a balmy, maybe 18 degrees here on a December 12th in Nishinomiya, Japan. Unbelievable. Well, joining well, me in a much balmier place, presumably, is my boy Sanjay out in Hawaii. How you doing, brother? Aloha, brother T-Ray. All's good here. Sunny and uh, still December 11, but which means yesterday was the Honolulu Marathon. Ooh. And that? I, was wearing, I was wearing, I didn't run it. I ran it once 20 years ago. It was first and last time. I don't need to do it again. But I was wearing, I was wearing this jersey, um, standing on the side, on the paths as uh-huh. the runners going by. And every time I saw somebody wearing the Tigers jersey or something, I would say, how did you show with it all? And they're like, yeah. Oh, cool. There, so there were people that were. Oh, yeah. There's always our people wearing different uniforms, but there were more hunching this year than normal. Awesome. That's cool, man. That's a great story. Well, that's that's a wrap for the show then. We're done. We talked about the Tigers and I uh, hope you enjoyed. Just kidding. We actually don't have like a super hot topic or whatever. We're going to talk a little bit about what it was like to follow the Tigers and produce content on behalf of the Tigers as I did uh, this past season. I've done the last nine years. We'll talk about that in the hot topic. But right now we're going to get into most of the meat of the show, which is the rumors and news. All right, Sanjay. Um, so just so you all know out there, you might be watching this on YouTube, in which case the jingle theme music is not here, which is too bad. And anytime we stumble and mess up, it's going to be just remain in the video. I'm not editing the video. So you'll get the raw content right here on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on Spotify or whatever your podcast catcher is, then you'll get the little jingles in there as well. Sound good? Sounds like a deal. That's what we're doing. All right. So we're going to bridge back. When did we last talk, man? Um, I talked to John Ruszynski on the last show. And then before that, it would have been soon after the Nipointi, yeah? Yeah. So it's been a month a month plus. Okay. Month well, plus, yeah. I guess we can talk first and foremost about the victory parade. The parades. Parades. And yes. You were at one of them. I sure was. So November the 23rd, 11 a.m., they had a victory parade in Kobe. For the Tigers and in Osaka for the Buffaloes. I was at the one in Kobe and apparently so were 250,000 people. Was that the number that they reached? The figure they found? I think that's the number they said. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty packed. I mean, it's a 2.1, 2.2 kilometer stretch of road, 250,000 people. So you can imagine how crowded it was. Um, As I mentioned in my YouTube video, and we'll talk a little bit more in the hot topic about the extra fixings. um, But in my video, I'd said, it really wasn't much of a parade, truth be told, right? Yeah. It it was um, a bus with some tigers on the left side, some tigers on the right looking out on the streets, and then a little bit of a gap, and then bus two, a bit of a gap, and then bus three. That's it. Yeah, three buses. So there wasn't any music playing. There were There wasn't like a live band in it. There weren't streamers or confetti. There were no mascots. I just kind of felt like... I mean, it was cool. It was great to see the players that close and and just to cheer for them instead of cheering for them with a bat in their hands or a ball in their hands, whatever. It was just them being them. 
And I thought that was really special. And I think for the players too, like they're so used to standing at the plate or on the mound being cheered for in these pressure packed situations, but to receive the adulation and adoration when they're doing nothing, but just standing there being themselves must've been pretty darn special. Yeah. They, they all mentioned it, you know, to a T that they, they, they thought it was really cool. And some of them said that their shoulders were never going to be really sore the next day because they've <laughs> never been like this the whole time before. And, but so you were at the event, so you didn't see um, the opening segment yeah. when there were speeches by Okada and Chikamoto, and they oh. did at least play Roko Oroshi at the beginning of the parade, mm-hmm. maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even Toraki was there. So, you know, it wasn't completely without ceremony. I see. And I think in Osaka, they had that at the end. Um, right. So for but the people that were in those two spots or for people watching on TV, it might have felt a little bit more parade-like. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Got it. Got it. I mean, I'll say, like, I'm not complaining at all, but that's just one of my takes on it from someone who was there uh, on the street side waiting. Some people waited for six hours. Like uh, friends of mine that were there, they said one of the guys said he took the first train in, which would have been somewhere between 5 and 5.30. And was probably street side before six o'clock and it started at 11. So people Crazy. were serious about getting there on time, getting a spot where they'd get a good view of the players. So for me, um, it was cool. I, I got the, I was on the left side of the street and with all due respect to the coaches, a lot of them were on the right side of the buses. And so <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't see Okada, which was kind of a bummer. And I didn't see any of the coaches, but most of the main players were on the side that I was on. So I think like exceptions might've been, I don't remember if Oyama was on our side, but I know like Chika, Nakano, Sato, Sakamoto, Ito, uh, Aoyagi, Murakami. I mean, we're talking like the main guys on the team. Yeah, that's right. On the left side. So that was awesome. So continuing on with the the parade then, the afternoon, so from 2 p.m., they were in Osaka. And apparently, so it's a 1.7 kilometer stretch of road. So mm-hmm. half a kilometer shorter, but 350,000 people. Yeah. So you saw footage, Sanjay, and I think probably some of our listeners have seen footage as well. That pe- I mean, the street, it wasn't even like this. It wasn't even lining the streets. It was like lining the blocks. Right. Yeah. I mean, the crowd went back yeah. several meters. Yes, that's right. So did you see the opening part of the Osaka one where Okada gave his little speech? Because it was cool. The starting point was the the grade school that he used to go to right. um, as a kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That was pretty sweet. Aijitsu Shogaku or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty special for him. And I mean, like, I love that, that kind of fact about him that he is a local boy, right? He grew up loving the Tigers, but he's also very down to earth. Like, mm-hmm. other people might not have even cared to admit that their elementary school is right there. They might have kind of just stepped <laughs> in the rug or whatever, but he was like, no, I'm proud of where I'm from, my roots. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Yeah. So that was the 23rd, and uh, we can push the controversy of that away, although I've I've got that in some articles, and I'm also putting it in Plug Plug, the book that I am writing um, about how some of the workers at the parades maybe didn't receive their proper due or their proper pay or a day off to compensate, all that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll give you those details another time, another place. Uh, but two days later, the uh, team had their fan appreciation day at Koshian Stadium on Saturday, the 25th of November. And I know nothing about it. 
I don't think I watched anything and didn't watch any highlights, but it's kind of the same old, I don't say same old, but yeah, there's a lot of just the players. They do like a talk show, right? So they have like a kind of professional host uh, hosting this talk show. And then they have like a type of simulation of baseball games, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think this time, I guess the big thing is that Takahashi, Haruto Takahashi actually threw from the mound. And again, it's not, he wasn't trying to, you know, blow heat past people or anything like that. He wasn't throwing 90 plus. But this is a guy that had TJ a couple of years ago, and then he had a couple more surgeries just a few months ago, right? And he is a development yeah. player next year. So we haven't seen him on a proper mound throwing for years. But we and also know that he's one of the best lefties Koshien. in the game. Yeah. And there he was on the mound at Koshien, So That was good. Yes. Um, yes. One thing I did actually see from the fan appreciation event was that it was Okada's birthday and the entire 30,000 people or whatever sang happy birthday to him, which is kind of cool. Right. Yeah. I think they said... Was it thirty six or thirty nine thousand people at this oh, event? Which is yeah, which is crazy because like Koshien only holds forty two thousand plus, and so I mean it was literally a full house almost, almost literally. So yeah, pretty cool stuff. All right, well we'll move on. Uh, a couple more uh, off season events or things, and that one would be the NPB Awards, right? And so before the NPB Awards, they gave out the Golden Gloves or they named the Golden Glove winners. They actually gave out the awards couple days after the npb awards but um believe it or not despite the fact that our team led the central in errors we took home five golden gloves yeah can you name them yeah we got the um senkarang as they say so catcher sakamoto second base nakano shortstop kinami Mm -hmm. center field shikamoto and Oyama at first, for good measure. Yes, that's exactly right, yeah. And they always say, you know, like a good defense starts with that center line, if you will, right? If you can mm-hmm. solidify that, um, you're going to get a lot more outs than you would if you had a sloppier <laughs> center line or whatever. But, you know, yeah. you're going to get more outs than not, and that's going to help prevent runs. And that's really what our team did well. So I think well-deserved. Um, man, this is always an interesting topic to me because some people go straight to the numbers. And they're like, well, Kinami's UZR was not nearly as high as so-and-so's or, you know, like they go straight to those stats or whatever. And mm-hmm. what's your take on that? Because part of it to me is the eye test. Part of it is not yeah. so much like, well, okay, you got the UZR, you got the, you know, these other fancy stats that'll tell you like runs prevented or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's some value in that. But at the same time, I think part of it has to come down to the impression that they've made as defenders. I totally agree, 100%. So, you know, you look at Kinami and Nakano, right? Um, I, I guess this might come into the runs prevented stat or whatever, but they, I believe, led the league in double play putouts. That's right. Double plays turned, yeah. Yeah, double plays turned. So, I mean, like that middle of the infield, as we keep harping on, I mean, that really did huge things for our pitching staff. Oh, like, yeah. All year. Pitcher's best friend, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And totally was all year. And you look at like our team in the past. And again, I, I'm not doing this to throw guys under the bus or whatever, but when Itohara was at second or when Hojo was at shortstop or when we were just trying to figure out, well, who's taking over from Toritani, who's taking over from Uemoto or whatever, right? Like mm-hmm. we were a hot mess as a team. <laughs> it was, it was like p- pins and needles every time the grounder was hit. And we just yeah. didn't have that this year, especially in that middle part. I, we had a little bit on the third base side. But I have a feeling that's going to tighten up for next year as well. <laughs> so there you go. 
So that's the Golden Gloves. We got five of them, right? Um, four of them were first-time winners, right? And Chikamoto was winning for the third time in a row. Yeah. So, and I did watch a highlight the other day of Chikamoto, and I was like, ooh, with that arm, it really is quite a miracle that he won the Golden Glove because he's not throwing runners out at home or on the bases that much. But his range he's is more range. Than And just, he's, he's solid. And he committed zero errors. And, you know... You can go on and on about Chikamoto. I really think he's a franchise player. Oh, yeah. And we'll talk and about him more, like him. Uh, a little bit later in the rumors and news. But let's get into... Actually, right away, we'll talk about the Best Nine Awards, which was, I think, determined the day the day before the goal, uh, the MPB Awards. I can't remember. It's all it's all blur. But um, despite five Golden Gloves and despite winning the pennant, we got three Best Nines. And one of them was kind of disputed by the masses. Again, that would be Kinami winning at shortstop. Uh, but mm. Oyama and Chikamoto were pretty much unanimous and very much, you know, accepted by everybody. Yeah, and and you know, because of my personal bias, I really wanted Nakano to get it at second base too. Yeah, that's a tough one though, just because you do have um, Maki, Maki there, and yeah, again, he. My impression of Maki is not a great defender, but his numbers actually look pretty good. But he, I mean, you just look at the offensive numbers he put up, and it's really hard to say. Uh, Nakano over Maki. Um, I think maybe a little bit better on the base pass for Nakano. Um, Might have gotten oh, a lot better. Award. A lot better from the base pass, a lot better on defense, just not as much offense. Okay, yeah, but what I mean is like he would need to be a little bit better because he stole 20 bases, but I think he was caught stealing 12 times. Oh, I see what you mean, yeah. Right, so if he stole, like like Chica was 28 stolen bases and three misses or something like that. So if, if Nakano's numbers were a little bit more lopsided like that, it might have made a stronger case for him. Yeah. Anyhow, um, other awards that we won. Well, Rookie of the Year was very much a given. It's going to Murakami, and I think everybody knew that basically from like July onwards, right? Um, and he mm-hmm. becomes the first Tiger to win Rookie of the Year since... Do you remember? Toritani? Oh, no, no. Since Takayama. Takayama is correct. 2016 was yeah. the year. Yes. So the first in seven years for the team. Um, yeah. Pretty pretty easy to choose Murakami for Rookie of the Year uh, in the Central yeah, League. That was a no-brainer. Yeah. The one that came as a surprise to me, and maybe less so to others, but MVP. We talked about this on the show um, in Japanese, mm-hmm. and we might have talked about it in the English one as well. Who's going to get the MVP? Who's it going to be? And it turns out to be Murakami. Yeah. Yes. And by a fair margin as well. I mean, as you kind of mentioned, I think on Facebook, 11 guys got at least a third place vote for a second or third place vote. Mm. 11 guys on the Tigers. Yeah. That's crazy. But that's how, that's how balanced the team was. Yeah. And you could make a case for, you know, a number of other people like we tried to do. So, you know, yep. more parts of them. but I thought it was telling or interesting or whatever you want to say that there were a number of times when pitchers were the MVP mm-hmm. um, throughout the years. Um, various teams of both leagues and i thought that was a little bit surprising i thought you would have more everyday players than pitchers right yeah i think well one i think japanese pitchers just tend to be a lot more outright dominant maybe than their major league uh counterparts and the other one is i just think that they like the pitchers here a little bit more (laughs) yeah they do and and pitchers do control much of the game you know truth be told Mm -hmm. A good pitcher is only going to allow the ball to be put in play, you know, like a dozen times in a whole game. 
And uh-huh. that says a lot. You know, if you're striking out 12, putting the ball in play for 12 and pitching eight innings, well, <laughs> you've dominated. Anyways, yeah. um, another interesting fact about Murakami winning. Um, he becomes the first ever Central League player to win both Rookie of the Year and MVP in the same season. And just the third ever to do it. Yeah. Most recent before Murakami was 1990, a certain guy named Hideo Nomo, whom if you haven't heard of, you need to learn baseball. Never heard of him. <laughs> so there you go. That was uh, that was quite the accomplishment for him. Of course, uh, Okada won the Shoriki Award, the Matsutaro Shoriki Award, right? Well deserved. Outstanding yeah. contributions to baseball, I think, is the kind of definition of it. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Typically, it does go to the winner of the manager of the uh, Nipponichi team. So it didn't come as a big surprise. I mean, there are occasions when it goes to someone else and it very well could have this year, right? Because this was WBC and it's not exclusive to NPB. It is exclusive to Japan and Japanese players or, or NPB players or whatever, or pardon me, like, yeah. Um, But it didn't go to the Samurai Japan manager or it didn't go to Otani. It went to Okada, which I thought was pretty cool. That was cool. But if if the Tigers hadn't won Nipponichi, then uh, I don't think that uh, I, I think that the uh, Kuriyama would might have won for WBC. So like if the Buffaloes had if the Buffaloes had won the Nipponichi, yeah. yeah, it might have gone to Kuriyama instead. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it really is. You know, like we we put this back into perspective. I think most people are fully aware of this, but the thirty eight year gap between the Tigers, you know, Japan Series championships, has really made the headlines ever since. Like it really hasn't gone away. And as we're heading towards the end of the year, and as we reflect back on 2023, of course, the WBC is going to be a storyline for the year, but the Tigers winning the championship is like no other, you know, like the Buffaloes winning it last year. Yeah, it it made the headlines, but not as much as this year's Tigers. And same is true of the Swallows two years ago and the Hawks dynasty from the 2010s. It's a big deal. It is. It is. Um, even bigger would be if we can win it again next year. Right? Next year. Yeah. Yeah. The Arempa, if you will. Arempa. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the guys real quick. I think we mentioned this in past shows, but once again, guys that have left the Hanshin Tigers in 2023. Uh, we've already said the name Takayama. He is gone. He'll be playing up in Niigata in a new uh, Eastern League team. So they're like a Nigun yeah. team, but they don't have a top squad affiliate, if you will. He's joined right. that team. And so has, um, who was the other guy? Like Kobayashi, maybe. One of the pitchers, Kobayashi. I think it was Kobayashi, has also joined that same team. Um, Hojo, whom we've also mentioned on the show already, um, he left, uh, he got cut, pardon me, and he's playing for like Mitsubishi or something like a, an indie league mm-hmm. team. Yeah. Right. Um, Yamamoto and Itayama both got cut and have joined the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Itayama as a development player. Um, Niho left and he got signed to a development contract by the Marines and then um, Watanabe a lefty has retired well he got cut and is retiring and Mochizuki as well a righty he got cut and he is retiring as well Mm -hmm. and then one last uh, cut if you will Uh, the active players draft took place last Friday four days ago and the Yomiru Giants took Kosuke Baba off of our hands. Right handy. Giant Baba. Giant Baba. Giant Baba. Giant Baba Karano. Giant Baba. 
Yes. We'll definitely mention that in the Japanese version of the podcast as well. Haha. <laughs> so <laughs> those are the guys that are gone. Um, and let's move into the guys that have joined. Obviously, um, when the active players draft loses us a player, it also gains us a player. So we went into the Oryx Buffalo's pool of pitching talent and pulled out a right-hander named Taise Urushihara. Yeah. A little bit more mouthful than Baba. <laughs> so just for that fact, We came out ahead on that deal. We came out ahead. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll see how that goes. I think Urushihara's got a good, uh, you know, a good future with the Hanshin Tigers. And, uh, you know, obviously we have the history of we kind of brought back Otake from the gutter last year, if you will, right? Because he was with the Hawks just struggling. And then he came to the Tigers and won us 12 games. So... Urushihara, I believe, is a reliever by trade, but yeah. we're still hoping that we can kind of resurrect his career. He's 27 years old, and Baba is 28 who left. And so we we got a, li- a little bit, tiny bit younger in that transaction. <laughs> and then the draft, we've already talked about these guys, but they got their numbers uh, this past yesterday. Yeah. So this past yesterday. There you go. So first round draft pick, right-handed pitcher, Kaito Shimomura, is taking number 19 uh, off of the Fujinami mantle. So He wanted it. Yes, he wanted it. He got it. And that puts expectations on him because that is the one of the ace numbers, if you will, for pitchers in Japan. 18 well, and especially 19. Especially for Hanshin. Yes. Especially for Hanshin. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You got the Kobayashi from back in the day. You got the Yufune from back in the day. Right? All kinds of names. I think there's a couple more I missed. Nakanishi. Yes, Nakanishi. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Kawajiri too, actually. Oh, Kawajiri, right. Sorry, not Yufune, but Kawajiri. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So second round draft pick is taking over Hojo's number, number 26, and that would be Tsuyoshi Shiba. He's a reliever. Um, taking over, I guess it would be Aaron Wilkerson's number, slash Jerry Sands' number, number 52, would be infielder Shuya Yamada. Um, taking over Kobayashi's number is infielder Aoi Momosaki. Taking over Itayama's number 63 is right-handed pitcher Yuya Ishiguro. And taking over Ippe Ogawa's number 66, he's now a development player, would be Junya Tsuda, right-handed pitcher. And then we got a couple of uh, development players that obviously want to get rid of their triple digits ASAP. We got Kai Matsubara wearing number 123. And we got Kane Fukushima, outfielder. He's going to wear number 126. Yes, and Kane is named Kane because his mom was a fan of Kane Kosugi, the actor, the ac- action star. There you go. Did not know that. That's awesome. So that is, those are our new additions, except that? we should also mention um, the import situation. Did you hear something? Yes. Coming in from around the world, foreign imports. All right, so first of all, we've got KK, Kyle Keller, who has been released. Um, I saw some rumors about a couple of weeks ago that he might be MLB bound. He might be signed by a Major League Baseball team. I, I saw that as well. Mm-hmm. No uh, certain signings there. It hasn't necessarily gone through just yet, but could very well happen. You know, after Shohei signs his deal, then all the dominoes fall. I wouldn't assume mm-hmm. the next one's going to be KK, but somewhere down the line, <laughs> he'll get signed. And then also released after half a season of service with the Tigers would be Colton Brewer. Wishing him all the best and a happy anniversary to he and his wife. I think today or maybe yesterday in the States, the 11th is their third anniversary. So 
Oh, today, right now. Happy anniversary. Yes. And so they left and Noisy, MSS, and Beasley will be back. They all signed, I believe, MSS and Beasley for the same amount as last year and Noisy mm. for 200000 less than last year. Thanks for those home runs, but they're going to cost you. <laughs> so, and then um, also we signed a new right-handed pitcher, a Panamanian, 28-year-old Javi Guerra. Throws yep. 100 miles an hour ga of gas, but he also has slight control issues, but he signed for a million bucks. Let's see if he's worth it. And he'll be wearing number zero zero. Comet John's old number. He's the first foreigner in ages to pick up the double the double zeros, but he's getting that from Yamamoto. So there you go. Right. And speaking of contract deals and so on, um, just a, another quick note uh, before we get into the hot topic. Um, a bunch of our players re-signed and got huge raises, and we'll put up the chart on H10 real soon with that includes their salaries. A uh, couple of note: Chikamoto is the highest paid player, um, making 320 million yen, which I guess translates into, I don't know my dollar conversions anymore, maybe two and a half million. It's, it's not that much anymore where the, where the exchange rate is, but yeah, it's over 2 million. Yeah. Okay, it's over 2 million, yeah. So he's the highest paid. Oyama is getting 280 million yen, um, and they offered him a multi-year deal because he'll be a free agent next next offseason. And he said, no thanks, I'll take a one-year deal, and then we'll talk about things next year. Yeah. Those are the ones. And then the third largest raise by percentage of previous contract to next contract, third highest in NPB history, Goes to, of course, our Roy and our MVP Murakami, who went from mm -hmm. a, a measly seven million a season, which is like fifty grand or less, right? Yeah. He was he was completely unproven at at the start of the season. To now, he's making I think he got like an eight hundred and seventy one percent raise or something like that. I think that's what I saw. Yeah, there's like somewhere like sixty five million or somewhere in that neighborhood. So there you go. Okay. So that's again, we won't get into all the details. That's the basics, though, for that. And so. Uh, look forward to having a team of happy tigers who are well paid, and of course, they all deserve every yen of what they're getting. All right, well, it's time for the hot topic. All right, so the hot topic for today is going to be basically like, what was it like for me as a quasi-journalist, uh, you know, a guy who sits at his computer and follows the Tigers and, and shares the news with the masses. So what was it like? Um, obviously, uh, for those of you who are unaware, um, I have been doing this since 2014. Started out real small and uh, just little by little added to what I do and little by little got more and more attention from uh, the Japanese media in particular, but even uh, other media. And I don't have a list of all the things and all the people that contacted me throughout uh, this pennant run. But let me tell you, it was like never before. <laughs> you were everywhere. I was. And uh, I'm fortunate to have a supportive wife that says, go, go, you know, go for it, do this, do that. And also, I was just, I was just glad to be, uh, you know, reached out to by all these different outlets. And so I think the first one would have been Sankei newspaper. Um, mm -hmm. who contacted me in early September when the magic number came up for the team. And they said, we'd love to interview you. Um, is there any chance that we could meet you at the ballpark? I think it might've been like around September 8th or so that they contacted me. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I'll be there on the 14th, which if you are date sensitive, you know that that was the day that we clinched 
the Central League pennant. And so before the game, around two o'clock, maybe, I was at a cafe with Sunken newspaper, uh, just doing my thing, talking about what I do. And then we went to the stadium and took pictures of me around the stadium. Um, they got some pretty good pictures of me, and I'm pretty happy about that. Like, I'm I'm definitely not the type that likes to uh, post pictures of myself everywhere, or you know what I mean. Like, I don't have framed pictures of myself in my house or anything like that. But it's nice to have those nice looking pictures taken by somebody who's better than me at taking pictures. <laughs> yeah, so that was in the Sankei newspaper. I think it came out. I want to say it came out couple days later or the day maybe even the day after i don't remember i've lost track <laughs> there's too many too many so we clinch and then the next one that i can remember would have been um yomiri newspaper who mm -hmm. i think read the sankei newspaper article and they were like well, we want in on this too so they <laughs> came to my workplace they interviewed me by phone. I met them in person. They interviewed me at a cafe. And then they came to my workplace and continued the interview there and took a picture of me at my work desk working on H10 instead of working on uh, English teaching. So but <laughs> my university was okay with it. So obviously I, I didn't commit any cardinal sins. But so that one went out, um, I think it was on October 17th. So it was before the uh, Climax series. So that was kind of cool, except that it's Yomiuri newspaper. So it's kind of the enemy, but whatever. Um, it was just nice to kind of yeah get under their skin there's too. no such thing as bad press no as long as they report things honestly and speaking of which the original the sankei newspaper they had actually read an article put out by a, a different uh a tv station actually that featured me last season on their on their kind of news program and they kind of had some fake news if you will within the article they embellished some stuff they assumed some stuff and they got my age wrong as well wrong <laughs> so when when sanke interviewed me they're like hey so you've got like a whole room in your house dedicated to tiger's merchandise and i was like not really <laughs> oh but we saw in this article i said yeah i have like a basket of merchandise that i send out to the patreon folks right or to whomever yeah. patreon.com slash the hunching tigers plug plug um so yeah. the like i took that basket out of my closet and then I had to go down and eat dinner or whatever with my family. And they spread that stuff out on the floor and took a picture of all the merchandise. And they were like, look at this guy in his tiger's room. And I was like, nah, all right. <laughs> so I clarified that with Sanke. Anyways, we'll, good, we'll, good we'll that story short there. But so that was that. And then I guess um, one of the next important ones, at least to me, was that there's a documentary being made about Randy Bass out in America. Mm -hmm. An American uh, film company is making. Actually, I think they might be hooking up with I don't know if I'm okay to say this, but it's rumors. Uh, ESPN. Mm -hmm. So it, it might be actually getting some pretty big uh, publicity and stuff. But they're making this film about Randy Bass's life. Of course, a big part of his life is being with the Tigers and winning the Nipponichi. And then their angle, one of the big angles is the curse of the Colonel. So <laughs> they talked to me, they interviewed me, but they mostly used me to hook them up with other people. Like, do you know anyone who was around in 1985? Do you know anyone who threw the colonel into the river? Do you know, you know, and they just kept asking. Me oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah wow. Connections. I connected them to a few people. Like, I didn't know any, I didn't have any like really hot connections. Like the guy who, you know, wrestled the statue out of the KFC, <laughs> you know, arms or anything. I didn't know any of that stuff, but I tried to get them at least a few people that could give them some good nuggets. And so. Um, yeah, I was around with them. Um, they actually did film me a little bit, and I don't know if I'll be in the film or not. 
but they're also probably coming this off season to do a little bit more stuff in a calmer time. They came out because they wanted to be part of the big hoopla of, you know, the Tigers making their first push for um, the Nippon Ichi, the first one in 38 years. So I, I was originally under the impression, yeah, I, I was under the impression that this was going to come out like during the Japan series, but no, this is like way in the future. Right, right, yeah, probably next year at some point, because I think, yeah, they're coming back December, January. I don't know. They didn't give me a specific date, but they said they're probably coming back to do more filming, uh, talk to more people within the organization and get special permission to film more stuff. So cool. they kind of came out a little bit, I don't want to say rushed, but certainly like because the Tigers, like you were here right in September and it was yeah. just crazy. It went from like no magic number on September 1 to like clinching on the 14th. And, the, you know, the number just kept dropping by twos and threes. Yeah. So it happened. It happened way quicker than anybody expected. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So amidst that, though, there was another company that was filming, and I don't know what they're doing with their footage, but they were filming at Dotonbori and at Kyocera Dome during the games. And they had asked me if I would be able to help them out, but I was kind of busy and wasn't able to. Um, and then also when I was being interviewed by the other documentary company on October 31st, it was, um, a different newspaper approached me and they're like, Hey, uh, we saw your video on YouTube and Hey, can we interview you a bit? And so they did. I don't know if I ever made the papers for them, but there was that. And then, um, I'm, I'm going to miss some of these cause I've forgotten. It's just, there's just too much. Um, MLB reached out to me, MLB.com. So I was interviewed about the curse with them and that was a pretty fun one. Um, yeah, I got to kind of straighten them out a little bit on <laughs> the curse and oh, yeah, the actual curse. Yeah, yeah. So that was pretty fun. Um, and then also, I was interviewed by the Japan Times, uh, which is a local thing. But I talked to them about just that with them. It wasn't so much the curse; it was about the the difference between the fan bases. Why are the why is the Tigers fan base so red hot and the Buffaloes one a little bit more chill? So there was that. And then also, um, once the Japan series started, that's when things got a little bit kind of crazy. So I got a phone call from um, a guy that I guess I knew, but I forgot that I knew. Um, <laughs> yeah. Long story short, he's the one that set me on this whole ride. Like he arranged for me to be interviewed by Daily Sports six years ago. He was like a PR guy. So uh -huh. he reached out to me again. He's like, hey, uh, what are you doing for game one? Oh, I don't know. And he's like, well, come to this. Uh, we got this yakiniku shop down in downtown Kobe and uh, we're doing like a viewing party. Can you come? I want to interview you. And uh, we're going to do an article about this. The, the shop is run by former tigers. And I was like, oh, cool. So I went and he was there for like five minutes. <laughs> I thought like I'd be sitting down having dinner with him while we watch the game. Huh? No, I got there. He wasn't there. But the shop owners knew I'd be there. And they're yeah. like, okay, well, you know, you can uh, you can order whatever you want. So I did. I'm watching the game on first on a smartphone because they couldn't get their feed right. Yeah. So I'm I'm watching the game. I'm like, did I really like leave, you know, leave my family and set aside these plans just so I could sit in this restaurant all by myself and watch the game on a little smartphone? <laughs> but eventually um that straightened out and i watched the latter half of the game like once the runs started scoring uh i was uh -huh. able to watch it on the big screen but yeah eating kobe beef and 
all sorts of delicious foods while watching the Tigers paste the Buffaloes eight to zero. That was a great feeling. That's not a bad deal at all. Yeah. Yeah. Got into the newspaper. So that was cool. And then um, again, during the Japan series um, on the off day. So I guess it would have been October the 30th. I think it was. No, no, no. The other off day. The third. The Friday. I think it was the third. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got invited back to the same Yakiniku shop. Why? Then there's no live viewing. There's no game. Some former Tigers players did a baseball clinic at an elementary school in Kobe. And they were having their kind of like just otsukarekai, right? Kind of the wind up afterwards at this same place. And the same reporter invited me and I was like, why? I'm not I'm not covering this for my article per se. I wasn't mm-hmm. at the baseball clinic. Like, why do you want me there? And he's like, I just want to introduce you to people. Okay. Oh, cool. So that's where I met Kameyama for the first time. That's where I met uh, Mike Nakada. And that's where I mm-hmm. met Shoya Yamamoto. And then there were a couple other guys. Uh, forgive me for not knowing their names. Uh, they're before my time and they weren't big time players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was cool. And then, um, so why don't we dive into the Kameyama talk show right away? Because we're kind of running low on time here as well. Yeah. I, I, I want to hear about the Kameyama talk show. Yeah. So this now comes, we're talking like just a week and a half ago. Okay, so I mean, I was busy. Oh, we'll we'll just say this real quick though. Um, during the Yusho parade, I was covered by Yomiuri TV. They have a morning Saturday morning show called Wake Up, and they kind of featured me on there for like I guess it was like five minutes. I got five minutes of national TV airtime. Yes, you did, and that that video clip is available on YouTube or at least on Facebook or somewhere like that. It's on YouTube, yeah. Like Yomiuri TV has the official like full clip, um, on on there. And then if you really want to see it with English subtitles, um, I took my part and just slapped English subtitles on it and. It's an unlisted video, but if you hit me up, I'll send you a link to it. Um, so um, that was that. That was really cool. Um, oh, one more side story on that. So Yomiuri TV, right? They're with me. And we got there at like 10 o'clock for the 11 o'clock parade. And then my friends, as I said, like they'd gotten there at 6 a.m. And they were right at the front. They were right, you know, right street side. And Yomiuri TV was like, hey go join your friends, go join your friends. And I was like, ah, oh, okay, all right. So I kind of pushed through the crowd. Meanwhile, this crowd, right? A, they got there super early. And B, yeah. they're, they're shorter than me. <laughs> and C, they don't have a cameraman with them. So that combination had the crowd around me quite testy. Like they were starting to get mad at me. Some people were like, crouch down, I can't see. And nothing was happening yet, right? And then yeah. they were also getting mad at the cameraman. They're like, what are you doing? Like, who do you think you are busting in here? Like, we've been waiting here for how long do you think we've been waiting here for? And then you guys just come in as if you own the town and stuff like that, right? They're starting to grab his name tag. Like, who are you? What, what, uh, co- you know, what uh, station are you working for? And, oh, Yomiuri. And they're getting all mad. And I was like, oh, crap, <laughs> this is going down. I was worried. <laughs> and then the dude next to me, okay, on, on my yeah. right, on my right, the parade's uh-huh. coming from my right. So uh-huh. theoretically, we're all looking this way. Right. At the cars, buses coming in. So he's looking away from me to see players and stuff. And he starts mm-hmm. yelling at me too. He's like, Jama there, Jama, right? No way. I was not no Jama for him. And it's not my fault that he's five foot four, but I'm not saying that to be rude to him or anything, but it's like, dude, like, are you trying to represent, you know, the nation and saying that I'm in your way? Because I'm not in your way. I might be in their way, but they can speak for themselves. Anyways, it was a little bit scary, man. Yeah. 
because I got to taste the venom of the Tigers fans at the Victory Parade of all places. That's where I learned about the Kwasa of the Hanshin Nation. Wow, good thing we're on the same side. Yes. On the same side and on the same side of the street, but they certainly weren't on T-Ray's side at that moment. <laughs> no, dude. That was that was scary. Okay, getting back to Kamehameha because we got to wrap things up pretty soon here. Um, December 2nd, um, in a cafe in Amagasaki, um, a cafe that used to actually be an elementary school classroom or several classrooms. They refurbished it. It's now a cafe and they want to have this off-season talk show featuring Kameyama, Tsutomu Kameyama, who was a star for the Tigers for really one year, right? 1992 was his year. I think it was a little bit longer than that. I mean, he played longer than that, but his real good year where he was a superstar was 92. Yeah, where, his, where his play reflected out. his his stardom. So he came up alongside Shinjo, basically, and they were right. uh, center field and right field. Yeah. Right. Yes. It was called Kameshin Fever at the time. Yes. Yes. And they lived in the team dorm and it took them, you know, they're like 50 meters from the stadium, the team dorm is, but it took them like an hour to get there because of the masses of people that just wanted a piece of them. Mm-hmm. So anyways, he's he's a pretty big name, even though he only really had a couple of big years. I'll, I'll be generous. He had like three or four good years because I think he was all-star twice and Golden Glove once. Um, But they're doing this, this talk show, right? And the owner of the cafe is was junior high classmates with my buddy Yamamoto-san, who um, was the first guy to interview me for Daily Sports and who got me the Daily Sports gig. And Yamamoto-san, my buddy, tells his buddy um, who runs the cafe, like, hey, why don't you get T-Ray to host the event? And I was like, you're kidding. To MC the event, right? Mm. Like, I don't know Kameyama that well. I met him once before. Mm-hmm. I don't know his playing days. I'm not Japanese. I don't MC stuff. Why me? But I was like, sure. You know, I'm I'm the type that's like, I'll go for it. I'll do what people ask me to do as long as it doesn't, you know, cross any moral or legal boundaries. <laughs> Ethical boundaries, right? So yeah. I was like, yeah, I'll go for it. And if it flops, well, it's in front of 40 people and I'll learn from it. And it'll be an experience that I can talk about. I didn't flop. Um, it was actually a pretty good event. And basically, like we talked almost entirely about the 2023 Hunching Tigers. Nice. So Kameyama is, you know, a play-by-play guy, a color guy for um, MBS, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of his side thing that he does, right? He also is a coach for the Seisha um, High School slash, not high school, but the uh, Senmongako. Or not Senmongako, uh, Kosen. Kosen or Senmongako, one or the other. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's, it's like a vocational school, essentially. Uh-huh. So the guys that he's coaching are not NPB bound. Or they're generally not college bound. Like this is their last chance to play baseball on a team where they can mm-hmm. like practice for hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Anyways, that's his main uh, gig. But we mostly talked about the 2023 Tigers because that's what people wanted to hear about. And it was really cool. So oh. I got to kind of ask the questions and lead the discussion for the first 30 minutes or so. And then there was a Q&A time from the audience as well. Nice. And there was dinner served. So now, you're and... now you're buddies though then. Yes. And also the end of it, at the end of it, the owner of the cafe was like, wow, that went really well. I really think we need to do this more often. Like, why don't we do one? Like, let's say the second Saturday in March. And so it's kind of penciled into the calendar already. And it's going to be me and Kamichan. Second Saturday in March. I got to just check my flight schedules here. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you were there, that would be amazing. And maybe we could co-host it, man. That would be 
fun. Nah. Come on, the H10 team. <laughs> so yeah, that was that was that though. Um, it was really fun. It was it was a lot. It was good times. Um, and yeah, again, just being able to kind of connect with Kamechang and um, you know, so he's kind of more than just like former Tigers player that I can look up to or anything like that. But he's a guy that I talk to. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, two more things, off-season things that we can talk about. Um, one being this here, for those of you on the YouTube, you can see it. It's the Gobu Gobu sticker. Gobu Gobu is a kind of variety TV program that runs on Saturday afternoons here. And uh, the main star of the show, I guess, is Hamachan, right? Um, yeah. Masatoshi Hamada. One half, half of, of downtown. Downtown, yeah. Mm. Probably, would you say that the most famous comedy duo in Japan? I would say that, yeah. If not number one, they're darn close. I mean, there's you know, there's obviously kind of the flavor of the month, right? Like, um, there's people that might have more TV shows than them at any given time, just because they just won some big contest and then they're on every TV show. But as far as having having their own TV shows, they're almost unmistakably number one. So Hamachan so. and and um, Machan, Machan. Sorry, yeah, uh, they actually kind of work solo a lot. They do their own shows, and so Hamachan does this show called Gobu Gobu. Basically, he has a guest on. And during this time, uh, they throw away age barriers, they throw away status differences, and they say, let's just talk as friends. And then they yeah. go through this person's childhood, favorite places or memories or restaurants or whatever. And they just walk around and they just shoot the breeze. So the guest mm -hmm. was Kakefu. Um, they did the filming on October 23rd. So this is um, between the Climax series and the start of the Japan series. Theoretically, mm -hmm. could have still been the last game of the Climax series. Right. Um, Kakefu, in case you don't know, has the most home runs in Hanshin Tigers history and is Mr. Tigers um, and is probably the most famous Japanese player in team history. Arguably. Arguably, yeah. Like, even today's youth know who Kakefu is because he does the play-by-play -play and his voice is so distinct and... Yes, very distinct. He's still kind of the face of the franchise. Well, um, they set up a surprise for Kakefu on this show. So the very end of the show, they're filming at Koshien Stadium from the batter's eye. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, we're going to have a surprise guest. And so they brought out, uh, they they arranged to have a Zoom call with Randy Bass, his old teammate and the most famous non-Japanese player in team history for yeah. every good reason. Mm -hmm. Legend. Um, but they need someone to translate. And so for some reason, somehow they contacted me and I was the translator for Randy Bass and Masayuki Kakefu and Masatoshi Hamada. How cool is that? How yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that's dream stuff right there, right? So I got a picture with Kakefu. I didn't get one with Hamachan because he was too busy. Um, I tell this to everyone I tell this story to, but as soon as they said that's a wrap, he left, got in a taxi, went to Itami Airport, flew back to Tokyo, and he had some filming for another TV show that same day. Like literally, he had no time to spare. Yeah. So I at least, I, I mean, if I ever do get to see him again, I will get to say, hey, remember me? I translated for you and uh, Kakefu-san. And I'm sure he'll at least remember that moment, if not my face. I'm sure he'll remember. Yeah. yeah. So boasting rights right there that I met one of, you know, one half of the most famous comedy duo in Japan. <laughs> yeah. And going then places. lastly, man. Oh, sorry. You're going places. Yeah, it's it's weird and it's, it's crazy. I kind of, I usually don't understand how this stuff is happening. So 
Um, another one that I turned down that I'll just mention real quick. Um, December 24th, they, um, they meaning some TV station, I forget which one, is filming a karaoke battle. It's kind of a famous TV semi-regular program where people, people do karaoke against one another and there's like a tournament. They want to do a Guy Kokujin special. So they asked me if I wanted to be on it. They contacted me and they're like, hey, do you want to be on it? And I was like, ah, oh, no thanks. And then I wrote back a few days later and I was like, oh, tell me more about it. Because actually I'm the type of person, as I said earlier, if it doesn't cross mm-hmm. moral, ethical or legal bounds or lines, mm-hmm. I want to give it a shot. Like if I screw up singing a song, who cares? Was my take. <laughs> right? It's an experience I can tell my grandkids about. Well, they're doing the filming on Christmas Eve. And they're like, well, so what you could do is you could catch the first Shinkansen out of Osaka. It's in Tokyo, right? Uh-huh. And it's an all-day yeah. recording thing. And you can still catch like the last Shinkansen and get home in time. And I was all like, well, okay, but that's Christmas Eve. Like, th- I yeah. really want that to be precious family time. I really don't want to, even if it is for something this cool. I just couldn't say yes. So I said no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't blame you. That's a that's a t- tall order right there. Yeah. It's, it's not... It's borderline moral uh, boundary being crossed there for me. Like just as far as like this, you got to hold something sacred in your, in your life and in your family. And that's one. Yeah. So there you go. Okay. So the last thing we'll talk about was actually last night, man. Um, a friend of mine knows someone who does radio, uh, a radio show here in Nishinomiya. It's a local show. So it's not really like listened to all across anywhere. But you can, uh-huh. of course, because of the age of the internet, you can listen to it um, from anywhere. But so a friend of mine was like, hey, you got to talk to Trevor. He's really, well, blew my name there. He's really interesting guy, right? He, uh-huh. he does all sorts of stuff and he's got this really interesting story. So I was on the radio last night. I actually went down to the station and recorded with him. And let me tell you, like of all the things that I've done, that might be pretty close to my favorite. Really? Because wow. I, I did all sorts of crazy stuff in this past month and a half. But man... Being able to just sit down and have the headset on like radio style and have the mic in front of me, it's uh-huh. like this, except that it's live. But then also it's just people that have that, you know, like ability to talk the talk, keep the conversation interesting, fun, flowing smoothly, and to ask the right questions in the right timing. And for me to just be able to riff off of that and talk about what I've done so far or how I got to where I am today. It was just kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So did you have any sort of, um, you know, pre, pre-game planning strategy sessions or something to figure out what was going to happen? Or was it all off the cuff? Or Yeah. So they asked me to come down like a half hour before the show. Uh, Only a half hour. Yeah, yeah okay. a half hour. And he just, I felt like we were doing the show before the show. Like we were just talking and I felt like, man, someone could record this and just use this because it was pretty good. But <laughs> he, he was just taking notes during that. And then that helped him to be able to lead into questions that he could ask me during the show proper. And we didn't follow that, you know, as a script, but he definitely hit on a lot of those key points. So that was it though. And he basically said, we'll do a Jiko Shokai, like introduce yourself. Then we'll talk about mm-hmm. what you're doing. And then mm-hmm. if you have anything that you want to plug, and then if you have a final message for our listeners, and that was it. That was kind of the skeleton outline. And then we went from there. How long was it? Uh, they said it was going to be around 30 minutes and it ended up being, we almost went right to the max. So it was 50 minutes. Pretty close. Oh, wow. to 50. Yeah. That's a sign of a good, good interview. Yeah, I think so. I think it went well. And like, even at the end, they were like, wow, there's so much more we would love to talk about. And I felt the same way. And 
So I, of course, we exchanged business cards and probably with the the guy that invited me onto the show, um, I told him, I was like, hey, let's go to a game together. And so we're probably going to do that sometime next year. Cool. So we'll see. I mean, if it, if it leads to more stuff, great. And if it doesn't, then it still was just a cool experience. Is there going to be a link here somewhere? I don't know if you can listen to it in archive form, but I can try to put it in the video description. Yeah. If there is such an opportunity, I'll do that. Cool. Looking forward to it. So what are this? Yeah. So that is basically the life of T-Ray for the past two-ish months. And I would imagine things will settle down between now and next February, March. But just to plug, I guess, like the next thing on the agenda for me for sure, or looks like for sure, um, Japan Ball, the company that I'm also kind of a part of, we're doing an Okinawa spring training tour, looks like from February 21 to 28. So we're going to be going not only to the Tigers camp, but we'll be going to as many camps as we can during that time. And uh, I'll try and do mm -hmm. some reporting. And at the very least, we'll do another show like this and talk about uh, the different camps um, in the spring. That sounds like it's going to be fun, too. Yeah, should be good times. Um, I'll maybe try and put that into the show notes in the video description as well so that people can at least check to see how they can talk to Shane Barkley about that. Um, if you're interested in that or a future tour. Um, so let's wrap things up. We've talked much longer than I thought we would, I guess, just because <laughs> a lot has been going on. So whirlwind life of T-Ray. It's it's still just like surreal to me that it's happening, but it's good times. So we'll keep it going. And uh, so we're hoping this off season is a good one for all of you. Thank you for tuning in to H10 Hanshin Tigers English News. We're continuing to post the news on the website. The socials have slowed down a little bit. We're not in full hibernation mode, but we're also not in full activity mode. So check in every now and then if you are interested. Uh, you can subscribe or follow on all of our socials if you would like to. And uh, in the meantime, Sanjay, enjoy the uh, the off season and try to catch some of our tigers at the Hawaii Yusho Yoko. They're in Hawaii now. I think they're here imminently, like tomorrow or soon thereafter. All right, all right. So uh, check Sanjay's socials for possible pictures. Uh -huh. uh, in the meantime, let's go hunting tigers, and we're looking for the old Anempa in 2024. So we'll catch you next time, everyone. Happy holidays. <laughs>